welcome to the April edition of BBRO Beatcast. I'm Francesca Broom, your host and Knowledge Exchange Manager for BBRO. This month, we meet with Dr. Alistair Wright and Stephen Aldous to discuss the challenge of the aphid migration. We're all aware that 2022 could be a difficult year, but rest assured, BBRO have got a number of trials and are working very closely with growers to find some solutions. Let's join Stephen and Alistair to hear more. Welcome Stephen Alistair. Here we are at Morley Farms today. Lovely weather this last couple of weeks and I'm sure a lot of the growers are keen to get on with drilling. And I know this field is actually going to be for the RL, isn't it, Stephen? Yeah, so uh, Morley's one of our regular trial sites. So RL, amongst many other things, coming into this field this year, yeah. <laughs> and we have to think quite far ahead because actually you'll be drilling for the 2023 list, which will actually be commercially on sale for 2024. Yes. So, yeah, always working almost two years ahead. But then we're always working six months ahead of that with field, field selection, soil sampling and getting all the trials located. So, yeah, it's a, a long process. And how many of the varieties will actually be here? So, good question, Chez. So, all of the RL varieties and all of the uh, up-and-coming varieties will be in that trial. So, in total, I'd imagine it'd be around 150 plots, something like that. So, four replicates of each. But, yeah, all the varieties, the ALS technology is in there. Uh, it is under a conventional herbicide program though because obviously it is integrated within the whole trial and we couldn't just plot spray those. Uh, obviously there'd be a risk of the non-conviso beat around it if we were to do so. So yeah, all the varieties are there uh, and we are looking at doing some additional conviso testing as well to get that data out to growers. And the RL is replicated across four sites? Uh, so no, it'll be more than that. It's uh, eight treated trials and four untreated trials will be going in the ground this year. And that's spread right across the growing area? Yeah, so uh, anywhere from Lincoln uh, down to south of Berry uh, and everywhere in between. Yeah, so it's quite a few miles you're going to be clocking up, you and the team. Yeah, so BBRO, we host uh, four treated and the four untreated, and then we use some of the other trial operators to uh, to make up the rest, just to, to spread the risk and, uh, and spread the workload. And there are a number of other trials going on here, and I know, Alistair, you've got one with your uh, endophyte grass that's here in front of us. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I can indeed, Chess. Uh, so endophyte grass, um, I came across it in New Zealand. Um, we sort of dragged off with the breeder to uh, learn more about it one of the days I was visiting. Uh, and this is actually a, a variety of grass that contains an endophyte, and that's a fungus that gives off chemicals that are supposed to control insects. Out in New Zealand, it's used widely to optimise yields of their grass in their uh, paddocks, but here we're trying to now use it a little more integrated with sugar beet. So Stephen and the team planted some, what, in September? Yeah. Um, and it's been growing since, and there's, there's quite a good sward out there at the moment. It's been rolled, but now we're going to hopefully kill off the grass in a few different ways and look at how it releases the chemicals uh, into the soil. Well, the theory is, whether it works or not, is that then the sugar beet will take up these uh, very soluble chemicals called lolines uh, in through their roots, and they'll end up in their leaves. So when the aphids arrive, they'll be killed off. We'll see how it goes. This is our second year of trying. Uh, last year had a negative effect, so we'll see how we get on this year. But I, I didn't really want to burst your bubble then, <laughs> but I was going to ask how last year's trial went. Well, I think it's a good lesson. Uh, we were sort of working on, you know, destructors near to drilling as possible, and we were probably actually too good in, in that. So we're actually working further away from the drilling date now and started to desiccate that grass off. So. 
And that's sort of a little bit similar to the camo cropping project, isn't it? Where you're going to do an undersown cereal crop. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because I know that's not obviously a, a chemical or toxin within that, but it has a similar treatment with the aphis, isn't it? So uh, I, I guess in the field it would look uh, sort of similar in that we're, we're introducing green cover. But obviously with the grass, we're destroying it before the beet crop, whereas the idea with the camo cropping is that we're growing them concurrently. So as with a windblow crop, the barley is just growing around the beet. Uh, the difference being is we're trying to hold that barley crop until the aphid migration has occurred. So actually what we're seeing this year and what we're working to at BBRO is that we'll drill the barley and the beet probably in the same day to try and hold that barley back as long as possible to get us through that aphid migration. But it doesn't just have to be barley, does it, as long as it's a, a small root structure? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people do use barley for windblow, so that's probably the natural choice for a grower. But um, yeah, any cereal's welcome, really, is what we've said. It's give it a go. Uh, there's a comprehensive three-page guide on the BBRO website that we've put together. It helps you sort of make sure you do it right so we can analyse the data at the end. Send us the data sheet and we'll, we'll sort of do the rest, come and do some virus scoring and hopefully use some drone or satellite imagery to, to see how well it's done at stopping virus but we're hoping that the strips work they certainly seem to have an effect in 2020 virus incidents in the six sites we went to was definitely less severe Um, there's no doubt about it but then you've got to deal with the issue of the competition coming from the barley and crowding out the beet so most of those sites whilst expression was a lot lower uh, yield sometimes was very significantly affected by the barley so make sure you kill it off an appropriate time Uh, you don't want it getting too big don't wait for the aphids to come along if your barley's going to start really taking out your beet crop. So you, you need to get in there with your griminicide. So this is really a call for grower scientists, isn't it? You, you want growers to have a go at doing trials for us. So, yeah, uh, obviously at BBRO we have a limited resource and... Uh uh, here at Morley we will probably have nearly a thousand plots in this field but with the barley it's just not possible to do that we want big strips in field because we're trying to affect the migration you know it's not an aphicide we're not trying to kill them with a chemical it is trying to deter them from the field so this really lends itself to on-farm grower trials and Alistair you know put together the documents so hopefully there's some clear instruction and hopefully as an industry we can all learn from those uh, on-farm trials. And obviously um, you Alistair particularly are going to be on hand to help anybody if there's any queries or anyone's not sure about what what to do you'll be there to help them through yeah definitely um phone numbers on the website or drop us an email to the plant clinic email address and we'll make sure someone from the crop protection team gets back to you pretty quick so and, and have you had much uptake from growers so far uh, where have several yeah. fields that have given it a go yeah definitely uh some of the early drilling stuff you know in the brecklands and the light land that's already gone in and you know they've managed to get those strips established so uh yeah hopefully uh, plenty more uptake and we'll have a really good data set to to analyze and uh have a have some messaging for next year and going forward and that's not the only sort of camouflage type um trial we have this year you're also doing some food dye aren't you yes so uh bbr are definitely willing to explore all options at this point and uh there is there is research that aphids are attracted to the the green brown of the established crop so if we can interrupt that disrupt that then hopefully they will be less encouraged to fly into our sugar beet crop one such method is using a food dye product we picked that up last summer and got it in place and we have actually been doing some autumn trials as well which 
obviously we can't take to yield but we can do aphid counts etc so we have had one uh, one attempt at it back in the autumn unfortunately for the trials the aphid numbers were very low uh, but we're expecting obviously with the bigger migration this spring that we can get some data so most of the bbro sites will probably have a patchwork of food dye established in them in april uh, and hopefully we'll see uh, see that reflected in the yield and what colors are you using uh, so red blue and green uh, so green is obviously we're trying to blend everything in whereas the uh, the red and blue we're trying to stir them all together from the crop okay so if you're colorblind you might have a little bit of a problem with something which i am so uh, <laughs> it does make it interesting but it's quite distinct so uh, you won't confuse it for anything else obviously we're, we're looking at new and innovative ways of trying to deter the aphids is there any other work that you require growers support with or and they can help you with the list is endless chairs but um, one thing we're really keen to look at this spring as well and take advantage of the large migration uh, is some repellency work so using um, natural essential oils in the field so I've looked at all sorts of things online but uh, we're going to go for some hopefully more run-of-the-mill things so lavender extract uh, mint oil garlic and maybe some sugar beet derived molasses and raffinate as well so um, we're hoping that they'll give off strong smells i'm sure the garlic definitely will anyone who's now using nem will will know that their fields are already smelling but can we now use these as a foliar spray when we we see the aphids coming spray it on and then look at any deterrent effect it has on stopping them landing so now i do remember quite a few years ago doing something similar where we looked at uh, i think we we classed it as agent orange but uh, the lovely orange smell actually brought more insects to, to us than it, than it didn't so um yeah this is trial and error isn't it on occasion uh, Afraid so, yeah. Now it's um, early days. We've not tried any repellency before. I think the Agent Orange was supposed to kill the aphids, wasn't it, as an aphicide, but uh, clearly did not have that effect. Whereas this is to, to release adequate amounts of smell into the atmosphere and really put the aphids off even thinking about coming into land. Now, so. I'm doing my best to stand you know, downwind of you, really, because uh, I know you've always been looking at your garlic work for um, the NEMGARD project, aren't you? Um, Definitely. <laughs> so are we going to have the same issues with the new uh, additives you've um, well, I suppose the good thing about Nemgard is it's not toxic. So whilst it does smell very strong of garlic, um, unlike its predecessor Fidei, it's not going to do you any harm. So um, I don't mind going home smelling a garlic at the end of the day, and it does wash off. But um, yeah, no, some of these volatiles, that they obviously do need to give off an aroma to do their job. But hopefully the likes of mint and lavender will be a welcome addition to the, uh, to the aroma of East Anglia and yeah, the East well, Midlands. I would hope we're going to have a very zen team aren't we the, the field team are going to be nice and relaxed for the rest of this year i don't know if we'll be relaxed uh, yeah the, the challenge with these products is we're going to be trying to apply them before the migration so the model will be vital and just yellow water pan network will probably become the trigger to apply these so we, we won't be waiting for threshold uh, as they're not an aphid we're trying to deter them so there'll be uh, plenty of stress getting that product out and on the field i think clearly we're going to be monitoring aphids very closely this year and mm. i think the um expected first flight is around about the 19th of april give or take yeah obviously it's a model and it's not um definitive but uh and if these warm temperatures carry on they could come even earlier but um yes for those of you who aren't using cruiser seed um it is a case of back on our hands and knees out in the field uh and looking for aphids and applying aphicides at threshold so same story we've been saying for several years now but we will have our monitoring network in place so a combination of infield plant counts of aphids on them 
uh, and about 10 to 12 BBRO operated yellow water pan sites. Oh, normally we do see the first acres coming in sort of round back the very area, don't we, and then moving up? Correct, yeah, so that as time goes on, the migration moves further and further north. So, uh, yes, those of you around Cambridge especially, um, that is the usually the first hot spot. So. But at least we know a lot more about them, and we can actually, we've got some uh, methods to cope with them. Those that use the Cruiser SB have obviously got that extra protection. So Insist is uh, fully registered now. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, like with us in our trial, they are non-cruiser um, so we'll be uh, not only we've we got the yellow water pan but we'll be out checking for green wingless and uh, and uh, yeah we'll be going on with that first aid side as soon as it's required so really that's all eyes on you Stephen because if you've got untreated and you're using the sprays you know we expect to see them them nice and clean fingers crossed uh, we're drilling uh, our titan trial today and we've got brassicas and uh, rye strips going in to try and protect those trials from the natural inoculum but uh, yeah we're in the same boat and it'll just be uh, be as diligent as we can to get those aphicide timings right so we'll we'll be supporting the growers throughout won't we yeah no and if, if we're at threshold and spraying we'll be sure to put that in the bulletin and uh, and flag that that we're doing it all right so we look forward to coming back and hearing more about the endophyte grass if that's worked Growers will know if the dyes have worked because if they haven't, you'll have green cakes at BBR events in the future. And please do watch out. Um, in the mid of April, we'll be releasing the dates for our demo farms over the summer. Um, so hopefully we'll catch up with you all soon. Thank you both very much for joining me today. Thank you, Chess. That's all for this month. Don't forget that you can access all the latest information on the aphid survey via BBRO+. That's accessible for growers via the bbro.co.uk website. April also sees the release of the 2023 RL. These varieties will be available to view at the BBRO Demo Farm events throughout the summer. So on behalf of BBRO, thank you very much for listening. 